Hey guys, you are tuned into Last Love, First Murder with Wolfgang and Baby J, the podcast where we talk about love, murder, and incarceration. If you would like to get in touch with us on the show, hit us up on Instagram at Wolfgang underscore Baby J by WhatsApp, voice note 984-480-1147 or by email on WolfgangandBabyJ at gmail.com. Let's get into it. Hey guys, welcome back to episode nine. In this episode, we will be discussing more about survival mode and the welfare queen. But before we jump into that, Bay, how has your week been? How are you? Hey, my week has been good. Uh, how about you? I've been good. Nothing much going on. You know how we do. You know what I'm saying? But, um, Oh, yeah, I know how we do. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. that really tripped me out. The most out of everything. What's up? <laughs> what are you talking about making the most out of everything? I missed that part. Nah, I was just saying, like, that's how we do. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, when people, people would think in our situation that it would be the opposite. We would be doing the opposite of what we're actually doing, you know, but it's, it's really a lot of optimistic or optimism in, in our life. You know, like people would think, oh, man, you know, her husband's locked up. And she's out there waiting on him. And, you know, it's just like, oh, that, that, that's really what motivates us. That's not what holds us back any, any anymore. That's what motivates us, actually, to, to be on our grind and be on our hustle and do what we got to do. You know what I'm saying? And the strange thing about it is that when you look at some of our friends and even family members, they're looking at us when we like, yo, y'all need to be getting y'all shit straight. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, like, y'all, y'all, y'all spending too much time watching what we doing. You know what I'm saying? Like, damn, how the hell are they doing all this shit? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, because we're not worried about what the hell y'all doing. And, and y'all can do the same thing if you weren't worried about what we doing, you know? So it, it's just it's just ironic. It's, 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 it's strange to see that dynamic display out in front of you. Uh, when people expect you to be a certain way and, and then you just kind of blow past that. So that's why I was just, that's why, that's where that comment came from. Oh, oh you're right, babe. I totally agree with you. Because we're trying to have 10 different streams of income. We're trying to have a come up. Cause we ain't trying to be like the welfare queen. We're trying to get it, get it the legit way. <laughs> you're right. You're right. <laughs> like, yo, we're a long way from welfare. You know what I'm saying? Right, <laughs> right, right. But we're going to dive into all of that. We ain't, we ain't knocking nobody now. We ain't nah. knocking nobody. Everybody go through the struggle. So, yeah. Last week, we spoke about survival mode. This is when people have to fight for their survival each day. I mean, it can look like someone needing a roof over their head. You know what I'm saying? Or somebody not having access to health care, not having a job, or not having healthy food. You know? Like, survival surviving is what many of us do and we don't even know because we wear that mask nobody knows what people are really going through in life you know so we take it one day at a time and try to put one step one foot in front of the other and take the best steps forward a lot of people in america are living in survival mode as i said 
when human beings grow up in this environment, they learn that their survival number, they learn, they learn that survival is number one, typically meaning they're going to do what they got to do to get themselves throughout this thing called life, despite all that they're being faced with in society. <clears throat> we spoke about how people are stuck in a cycle of just surviving and they never get the opportunity to actually live and thrive. So when we get into this um, story of Linda Taylor and who she was and some of the things she did, quote unquote, they consider her the welfare queen. She did this for survival so she could live and then she thrived in what she did. And that's what people didn't like. That's what people couldn't, they couldn't understand. Like, how is she doing this? But y'all going to find out. If y'all haven't heard of Linda Taylor, y'all going to learn about Linda Taylor today. And then y'all going to be on Google looking up who is Linda Taylor. Because that's what we did. But um, Linda Taylor, she was a woman with many different, face it. She had many different images and the public really didn't know who she was because she has so many different aliases. Um this lady she was she she was the queen of welfare like she committed welfare fraud by stealing people identities um just living the life that she couldn't live a normal life not having the funding not not having the resources that other people are associated with like higher class people back then in that time living back in the 1970s coming up in the early 80s or whatever um welfare poverty stricken neighborhoods that was a lot of minorities and i guess this lady felt like i'm not about to be out here living like this like the government not trying to help me well i'm gonna help myself to these government benefits and i'm gonna get it out the mud and that's what she did now Moving past all of that into how she got to where she was and got the name Welfare Queen because she just went on this path of embarking and stealing and creating names and getting social security checks, getting people benefits. Like she committed other crimes outside of welfare, supposedly. But the president back then, um, Ronald Reagan, he used Linda Taylor as a scapegoat and i say he used her as a scapegoat for his campaign because he basically tried to use like the financial assistance for poor people as a way to rate like for race racial purposes to poison the idea of people trying to get fi trying to get aid for their families by her committing these crimes and not getting like the aid or assistance or whatever you want to call it the right way she went about it the wrong way he typically used that against poor families and really black people to make it seem like we were lazy and living off of government assistance public assistance and that's not really what people did but think about it people if we are living in communities where there are limited to no resources and all they are able to have is public assistance and food stamps. What do y'all think people are going to do? People are going to try to flip what they have to get more from it. Meaning, and a lot of y'all know this because a lot of y'all probably still get food stamps EBT now, but at the end of the day, for a lot of people who don't have cash money 
or any type of financial funding coming to them, they're going to use their food stamps, their EBT benefits, and they're going to sell those benefits to get what they need to meet the needs of their family. Meaning, okay, let's say, for instance, for example, for you guys who don't understand, um, let's say I, I don't get public assistance. I don't get any food stamps. So let's say if I wanted some food stamps, I only want to, I don't want to spend my money on food because, you know, food stamps is like, it's non-tax. They don't really tax those types of um, fun, those funds. So I'll buy some food stamps from a person and say like, I want to buy $200 in food stamps. I'm going to give them $100 in cash. This $100 is going to be like a blessing to them. Them food stamps is going to be a lick for me because why? I just saved me some bread. I ain't about to go in the store and spend my hard-earned money. I'm about to use these food stamps because the government not giving me food stamps because I'm working. I got income. So they get these types of benefits for families who don't have the financial freedom to go out here and provide for their families in the way that they should be able to, but they don't have the resources to. But what you think? <laughs> I think you just. Um, a I think you. Yeah, that that, that was a mouthful. <laughs> and uh, as you was just speaking, I was thinking about um, the convenience store that we was gonna buy, and I was showing <laughs> you. And, I mean, we still may buy. It. But listen though, this just just check where I'm going with it, right? Yeah, and, and for the, the, the for our listeners that uh, you know, we're always looking at different business opportunities, and so uh, I guess probably about four weeks ago, we was looking at buying a buying a, a convenience store, a gas station, and uh, it was two of them. One of them I think was uh, right at forty thousand. The other one was at fifty nine thousand. Uh, the forty thousand dollar store, um, it had a fuel pump and. Uh, it was in a in a small you know in a small town, um, but the the daily revenue was the store did about nine hundred, and it had some fish tables in there, and the fish tables did like a thousand dollars a day, and so I remember making a compliment to Baby J like, damn, the fish tables do more in, in sales than the, than the actual store do, you know what I'm saying, <laughs> 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 per day, you know. But when you look at it, I mean that's that's you know thirty thousand plus. You know, between thirty and, and sixty thousand dollars a month, right? And they only wanted forty thousand dollars for the store, and so that's one thing that caught my attention. The other thing about it, uh, was someone beat us to the punch on that and bought that store. But uh, the other store was is for fifty nine thousand, right? And what's interesting is that they wanted fifty nine thousand dollars for the store. They didn't have a fuel pump, right? Um, but and they didn't have any fish tables in there, right? But what was interesting is that they did forty five thousand dollars each month in sales. Oh wow! But the interesting thing about it, because they showed their point of sale system, they took screenshots of their point of sale system, um, and it was showing potential buyers. What was interesting was that out of that forty five thousand a month in sales and revenue. 40,000 was EBT. That's crazy. You know, and I was like, damn, it was like less, you know, it was like less than 5,000 was like credit cards and cash. You know what I'm saying? And I'm like, damn, you know, and it kind of goes back to, you know, what we're talking about with the welfare. You know what I'm saying? Like, imagine spending 40 
thousand plus at a convenience store. This is not a grocery store. This is not Whole's Food. You know, this is not Trader Joe's, right? This is not Walmart. This is a convenience store. And people are going in here with their food stamps, their EBT, and spending 40000 plus a month on what? Junk. There's nothing exactly. healthy in a convenience store. Right. Nothing you're, healthy at all. Right. You're not getting anything of quality out of a convenience store. It's unless you're buying some cigarettes or you're getting some night train, some wine or something. You know what I'm saying? You can't buy, you no buy some more liquor or something. That, I, my point is, is that you can't buy food stamps with that stuff. So all the food. Again, you, never, you never know what don't people in this world yeah, really what's going on. What's going on. They probably yeah. were selling stuff like that to the people. Who get right. food but, food but, but that's beside the point. The point is, is that evidently where this store, this convenience store is located, it has to be a food desert. Why? Because people would normally go and spend their a money. A grocery store, exactly. Store, not a convenience store. Right. And so I was thinking about that when I seen that, like, damn, that's a lot of money to be spending off of your, your food stamps, you know what I'm saying, at a convenience store every month. The other thing was that how was this store processing those EBT to actually get the actual money, you know, from, you know, the government and stuff like that or whatever. Uh, you know, and that's a whole nother hurdle, you know what I'm saying, uh, that requires documentation and so forth and so on. But I was just thinking about that, you know, when you talk about survival mode, and you're talking about everybody or most people in America is in survival mode. If you have been affected by the criminal justice system in one form or another and are seeking one-on-one -on -one relationship advice, business advice, and or legal advice, then feel free to book a 15-minute phone call with myself and Wolfgang by going to www.calendly.com backslash Wolfgang and Baby J. You know, and, and you think about it, even your average American, your middle, average middle class American, right? Mm -hmm. You may not think you're in survival mode, but you really are. Yeah, we all are. Not, right, you're just not on the cusp of that cliff. Of, of, the, of the edge. You're not living on the edge, but you're still in survival mode. Because if you, if you wake up today and decide not to go to work, guess what? You're going to lose that car. You're going to lose that house you're staying in. All the comfortable things you got in life, you're going to lose. And most people are fearful of losing their job. While the rest of America is struggling to find a job. You know what I'm saying? Well, baby, I can't even say that nowadays because it's so many staff shortages on these jobs. Like, since the pandemic hit, these folks ain't trying to survive. They want to live off these free benefits they were getting during the pandemic. And it's crazy. So who's really surviving out here? The ones that's actually going to work are the people that's surviving right now. And on these jobs, working short staff and trying to provide for customers and patients and whatever else, they're not even being able to meet the needs of their customers. I see times now I can go to a drive-thru, lines back, the doors locked to the restaurants because they don't want people coming in to the dining room to order. You got to go through the drive-thru and wait in a long line. But it's just like little stuff like that. And then some of these grocery stores, some of these dollar stores, some of these stores in general, 
it's short everywhere, man. These since the pandemic hit, like, yeah. <laughs> the job market has went all the way left. Okay, let's get back to the welfare queen, y'all. <laughs> okay. All right. Excuse me. So now that we understand <clears throat> a little better about what's, what it's really like to be on welfare and why Linda might have started committing crimes, why do y'all think someone like Linda Taylor would do this? Like, Wolfgang, why do you think she started trying to survive like so many others? Um, why she wanted this opportunity in life? Why do you think she did this? How do you see her? I mean, it's just a matter of, you know, you get sick and tired of being in survival mode. That's all it, I mean, it boils down to. So you really, you know, it, it's okay to, to speak about it in a general sense, but, but always come back to the specifics, right? The specifics <laughs> is, this is somebody who said, listen, I'm, I, I recognize what the system is designed to do. You know, it's, it's designed to keep people subsisting. You know, you're not living, you're not thriving, you're just existing, right? You right. know, and that's what the welfare system is designed to do. We, we just want you to exist here in this particular section of, of town. You know, we want you to stay in this part of the city where, you know, it's a whole bunch of people just like you, you know, and, and you guys ain't really got to go far. You know, and matter of fact, all these vouchers, they they only good in the hood. You know what I'm saying? You know, so when you look at, you know, housing and hood and all that stuff, you know what I'm saying? You know, it, it, it's certain places where we want you to live at, you know, and we're going to help you. We're going to subsidize your living arrangements. We're going to subsidize your food. But what we're not subsidizing is your lack of income. Now, what sense does that make? No. Like you're gonna subsidize where somebody stay and where they and what they eat, but you're not gonna subsidize money in their pocket. Like, come on, man! Like that's a real opportunity. You know what I'm saying? It's a real opportunity, and it's a rare slim shot to none. You know, like don't they would rather give people a handout than give them a leg up. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's the sad thing about it. You know, and so when you look at someone like Linda Taylor. You know, you can't blame her. I mean, yeah, you can. And, and like I say, it's some, you know, some of her crimes that they, they don't really, you know, it's speculation whether or not she's guilty or innocent. You know what I'm saying? You know, we're just sticking to the welfare fraud, you know, but it's, it's other crimes and we're not going to really go into those, you know. But when it comes to welfare fraud, you can't really blame her, man. Like, you know, hey, you know, like if you if you get a nickel, you know, I want a dime. Linda Taylor said she's gonna take the hand out and get her leg up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know what I'm saying? In the game, and, like, and that's what she did. You ain't about to sit up and give me a little bit of pennies. I'm about to get me some coins like y'all getting out here. Right, right. And who, I mean, like, I ain't gonna say who wouldn't, because obviously a lot of people don't, you know what I'm saying? But it's still, she ain't the only one who did it. She was just the queen of it. She was the poster child for Ronald Reagan, you know, and he wanted, you know, he wanted, you know, he didn't really want the welfare system anyway. You know what I'm saying? No, but you know what I mean? This time, you got to think about civil rights movement. You got to think about, you know, segregation. I mean, we're talking about the 60s and the 70s, man. Right. There was a lot of racial tension going on. So for all of that racial tension to be in the air and to be specifically in the air of politics, <laughs> like to turn around and then you just handing these black folks money. Like, come on, man. You know, it, it felt too much like 40 acres in a mule to him, even though we never seen anything close to that. You know what I'm saying? You know, but it felt too much like that. 
You know, and, and to this day, the, the government don't feel like they owe African-Americans anything in this country. You know what I'm saying? Which is sad. It is. And they was really, they really mad at the fact that back then, dealing with Linda Taylor, <laughs> she had accumulated over $150,000 a year. And learning she had grossed this amount of income from committing welfare fraud, that really didn't sit well with the president, Ronald Reagan, who was running for presidency at that time. So he was using any and all information he could about the welfare system to, like, cut it. Like, he didn't want the system in place. Not to help poor people, didn't want it in place because he just, they just felt like it was no need for it because of what Linda Taylor was doing. And people, he felt like um, black mothers living large on taxpayers' money, collecting government checks, quote unquote, consider these people welfare queens. And a welfare queen is really a stereotypical term. It really, really is. So, I mean, I know we up here laughing and joking about it. But in all reality, these white people didn't look at it as a joke. They looked at it like black people are lazy and living off of welfare and taxpayers' money, period. That's how they looked at it. But not to get into race, black people aren't the only ones to get government benefits. Like, come on, let's keep it real. Like, no. You got white people that live in trailer parks that get welfare, that get public assistance, and get probably way more. Then you got the foreigners, the immigrants that come to the states and get way more than the people that live here. And then you wonder why we got so many homeless people, because y'all don't help them. Y'all don't build programs for them. So, yeah. <sighs> it's um Josh, I think it's Josh Levine. He has a book. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he wrote a book about it. It's called uh, the queen, queen right? yeah. and you know one of one of his opening uh one of the opening uh sentences and uh or what, what something that he wrote in the opening pages of his book was no one's life lends itself to simple lessons and easy answers and when you think about Linda Taylor it's easy to classify her as you know a criminal or someone who's abuse the system and all this stuff, you know, but it's, 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 it's not that simple, you know, because this is someone who saw an opportunity to get out of survival mode, to actually thrive in life. And she seized it, you know, whether it was right or wrong, she seized it, you know, and that's, that's a, that's something that, you know, she has to live with those consequences, you know what I'm saying? You know, or she had to live with those consequences, right? But <clears throat> without being in her shoes, you know, who are you to judge, right? Who am I? Who 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 is anyone to judge? You know, when it, it, and I can't imagine being born at that time. I mean, I was born in, in, in the early '80s, but being born at a time when I was old enough at that point in time to understand the world and what was going on around me, right? So say, you know, born in the 50s and you're in your 20s and you're in the 70s or whatever, right? And, and you're seeing all of this, uh, this prejudice going on, you know what I'm saying? And it's like, man, on top of being poverty stricken, it's like, that's a lot to overcome. You know, I mean, it's a lot of, I mean, we talk about now about food deserts and stuff in our communities, but imagine what they was like in the seventies and the sixties, you know what I'm saying? Like it was really, it was really hard 
to to make something of yourself in those times, you know. And so this was just a, a way for her to, you know, to uh, to leap forward. And, and, and she done it, you know. But um, I, I think when you think about welfare and what it represents, I, I think it is uh, counterintuitive, you know, and and he actually is it's, it's kind of funny, right? Because Reagan actually has a quote, <laughs> and uh, this is this is a quote from him. It says, "Now, common knowledge that our welfare system has itself become a poverty trap, a creator and reinforcer of dependency." Mm-hmm. That's that's a quote from Ronald Reagan. Now, again, he, he was more so advocating of you know going away with welfare, you know what I'm saying? And saying that, you know, it's a poverty trap and it's a dependency and all this stuff, reinforcement of dependency, which it is those things. But it's like, okay, welfare wasn't not wasn't the the end all to be all. It was just a step. To help. Right. A step to help. You're supposed to add more steps to it. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Y'all stop there and expect people to move forward. How? How? When you're not giving them the opportunities to give them real jobs, to give them the financial freedom that they need, like how? Why? If you addressing, if you're taking welfare, these food stamps, and you're addressing the food, you know, uh, uh, you know, inequality, but you know, in and in, in, in providing, you know, I mean, yeah, organizations like Feed in America. If you want to give people food, you know, what I'm saying, like, you don't have to devote a whole program to giving people food, you know what I'm saying? When you could have devoted all those billions of dollars to giving people resources and employment opportunities. Why? Because if people can work and have a, a, and earn a decent wage, then guess what? They can buy their own damn food. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Like, but you're giving people food without any opportunity to excel in life, to succeed in life, to where they're not dependent on the government depended on a handout. That's that's what the problem is. You know what I'm saying? That's what it's always been, you know? And so when you look at people today, like you said before, people don't want to work. People don't want to do shit. You know what I'm saying? You know, why? And that's not the government's fault. A lot of it is that, you know, we've gotten lazy, you know? Americans um, have gotten lazy. Not only black people, America as a whole. <laughs> oh, America as a whole, but yeah. specifically African-Americans. We didn't got lazy as hell. You know what I'm saying? Like, we didn't got lazy, man. You know, and it's because of programs like welfare. It's because of Section 8. You know what I'm saying? You know, oh, your rent ain't nothing but $29. You know what I'm saying? Oh, shit. Some Um, people ain't got no rent. You know, some people ain't got no rent. Like, that shit is not good, man, because it's teaching people it's okay not to do shit. You know what I'm saying? Mm. It's okay to on your ass and let the government take care of you. But guess what? You're just subsisting. You're just existing, man. You're not even living. Mm-mm. Not even living life. And it's sad that so many people are okay with that. You know what I'm saying? But baby, but baby like you can't say they're not living because I know some people that don't, ain't never work a day in their life and get all the benefits in the world. They living, hmm. they living, hun. They living their best life. I'm gonna tell you. And it's crazy to me. God, how in the hell are you doing all this and you only work nowhere? You'll be surprised. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess that's the flip side. You know. Yeah, you can't say they're not living. Like I said, like we were talking about, Ronald Reagan used the welfare queen. 
as an icon to back up his agenda not to support the welfare system. Human well-being wasn't his priority. It was upper-class well-being. Thank you for listening to Last Love, First Murder. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Let us know what you think about the current welfare system in the U.S. Make sure to tune in next episode as we will be talking about the war on drugs. And check out Josh Levine's book, The Queen. You can hit the link um, and we have an affiliate link. You can hit that and it'll take you right there to it and check it out. It'll be a good read to learn more about the welfare queen and Ronald Reagan's whole stance on that and, and, and so forth and so on. I think it'll be, it'll be a good read for you guys. All right. Peace and love, people. Thank you for listening to Last Love, First Murder with Wolfgang and Baby J, the dopest podcast where we talk about love, murder, and incarceration. If you would like to hang out with us after the show, hit us up on the gram at Wolfgang underscore Baby J by WhatsApp voice note 984-480-1147 or by email on WolfgangandBabyJ at gmail.com. Stay smooth. If you keep wanting